Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, where I share my coffee-stained notes on witchcraft with you. My name is Margot, and today is Friday the 14th. I hope you've all been enjoying this early spring, and whether you live somewhere where it's already warm and blooming, or somewhere where there is only just a hint of the warming of the earth, either way, there is something happening, and that's worth observing and maybe even celebrating. We have quite the lunar and solar happenings next week just before the drop of the next episode, so I thought I'd take the time to talk about it now. Yes. Next Thursday, we will experience the new moon in Aries, a solar eclipse, and the beginning of Taurus season, all in the same day. Weird, right? I love it. So, how this is happening. The new moon will occur on Thursday at 12.13 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, just as both the moon as well as the sun spend their last moments in the sign of Aries, because at 12.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, just 17 minutes after the exact calculated moment of the new moon, the moon will then move into Taurus, and a few hours later, at 4.14 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, to be precise, the sun will also enter into Taurus. Uh, I hope you were able to follow that. (laughs) This is all happening in combination with the solar eclipse, also at 12.13 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's a lot going on in just one Jupiter day. What a time to be a magical practitioner. Unless you avoid workings during the eclipses, which is a valid position and I support you, but if you're one who likes to fuck around and find out, then my friends, here is one massive opportunity to go ham. And... As if all that wasn't enough to fry your brain matter, Mercury is going retrograde the following day, next Friday, the 21st. Something I will be talking about next week as it starts on a Friday, but was worth mentioning here following the absolute insanity that will be taking place the day before. So all this is a bit much for me to even make sense of, so I got some help from digestonline.com. We're being initiated by fire this month, and it seems like we just can't catch a break with all these major movements and alignments. As if Saturn's epic move into wishy-washy Pisces and Pluto's grand entrance into innovative Aquarius last month wasn't enough, your April 2023 horoscopes feature a major solar eclipse at the critical 29 degrees of Aries on April 20th. A new door bursts open, but we are being tested by fate, and it won't be easy because the eclipse is in a challenging square to Pluto. An external obstacle, an inner demon, or fear must be faced in order to pass. Mars is an instigator in all of this. Currently in his fall position of Cancer, we must not let the instability of our current environments get to us. It may feel like we are living in a brand new world, The only thing to do is adapt and keep pushing forward. Taurus season starts with a bang. The sun moves into this grounded earth sign shortly after the eclipse, and Mercury goes retrograde on the following day, April 21st. It may be best to slow our pace for now, reflect on our values, and chill out in our mental space. This is a critical solar eclipse happening at the final degree of Aries. It will be a transformative test of fate as both the sun and moon make a hard angle to Pluto. A new opportunity may require a release as we let go of something we've been holding onto, be it an internal belief or uh, in this physical reality. The death and rebirth element of Pluto gets stronger as the sun and moon move into Taurus shortly after. 
we may start to see the silver lining in what we have gained as we will be free to further align with what we truly value. This is a chance to start fresh and put ourselves first. And that's not all. Something else will be happening before the solar eclipse in Aries on 420. Who's coming with me? Who's coming, man? Who's coming with me? Huh? Who's coming with me, man? <laughs> Who's coming with me to the Jim and Jupe tour? which officially kicks off tomorrow, Saturday the 15th in Philadelphia. It is sure to be amazing, and the first themed night tomorrow will be Emo Night, followed by Wild West Night on Sunday. At the time of this recording, which is always a little in advance, there are virtual tickets available to those who would like to attend, but are not capable of making it over to Philly. So... When you, if you can, 24 hours before the show, head on over to anahadaspurpose.com slash tour to scoop up your virtual tickets or scoop up some physical tickets if they are still available and you can make it in. I'm actually recording both this and next episode in advance because there will be so many wonderful and magical friends coming into the area for the tour that I just had to make sure I could free myself up some time to completely fuck off into another realm with them while they're here. Very much looking forward to the next couple weeks, and hopefully I'll be able to share many of the good times and event highlights with you all on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, let's get to the meat of this episode, shall we? We are returning to the fool's journey after learning the complexities of true love and partnership, as well as the importance of balance, clear and honest communication, and building relationships that support and honor our individual beliefs and values with the lovers. Now, the fool is going to meet who is arguably one of the most intriguing figures in the major arcana. I might be biased here, but here we are, face to face with the chariot. Sometimes referred to as the child of the powers of water or the lord of the triumph of light, the chariot. In the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck and many decks inspired by it, the chariot card shows a heroic looking looking a heroic looking figure standing straight and tall upon a chariot they are an armor clad figure typically masculine in appearance and on his head sits the laurels of victory a crown made from a wreath of laurel or golden laurel leaves as a symbol of victory in sporting events or battle above these laurels is yet another crown but this one is made up of stars these, as well as the canopy of stars that are draped over the top of the chariot, indicate the presence of the divine. However, his armor is also decorated with a square in the middle of his chest, which tells us that he is just as grounded in the material world and earthly elements as he is connected to the higher realms of consciousness and divine will. It also serves to represent his strength of will, four being a number of foundations and power. Upon each of his shoulders... You can see crescent moons, which symbolize the things that are coming into being and refer to the formative world. This card is also associated with the zodiac sign of Cancer, which is ruled by the moon. The charioteer is frequently depicted holding a scepter or a wand, which are meant to represent his will and authority. An appropriate symbol as the wands in tarot represent the element of fire, which is associated with passion, will, willpower, action, drive, and power and authority. 
these energies were amplified in the Emperor card back in episode 11. There is also a callback to the wand in the Magician card, symbolizing his ability to control through the sheer strength of his will and mind. Nonetheless, this card is ruled by water as well as the moon, but we'll dig into that soon. So, the chariot is hitched to two very unique creatures. They are two sphinxes, one black and one white. They represent justice and mercy, as well as the union of two opposing forces, as many hold to the black sphinx representing the moon, femininity, and the unconscious mind, while the white one represents the sun, masculinity, and the conscious mind. I'm sure you're all acquainted with what a sphinx is, but for the sake of explaining the chariot, I will quickly explain that a sphinx is a creature with the body of a lion and the head of a human, typically a woman, with some variations. For example, there are some times when they've been shown with the wings of a bird. It is a prominent mythological figure in Egyptian, Asian, and Greek mythology, and sometimes portrayed as a treacherous and merciless being. From this, you can gather that the charioteer must handle these creatures not with brute force, that would never fly with a sphinx, but with profound courage and determined willpower. Otherwise, he would never reach his destination. Upon the front of the charioteer's carriage, you will see a shield of sorts. This is the flying globe of the Egyptians and the Indian lingam, representing the merging of feminine and masculine. There's really a lot of this in the tarot, and I know it can be frustrating for those who are just over the gender binary, and many new tarot decks do in fact go far beyond it, which is amazing. But you can also look at this theme as everyone containing both light and dark, conscious and unconscious, projective and receptive qualities, as well as attributes that are seen as masculine and feminine. And though we sometimes lean into one more than the other, there is often a need for balance between them. For example, I tend to find myself relating to the emperor much more often than the empress, but I know that both archetypes are alive and well in me. So in the chariot card, there is a little bit of a backdrop that you can see, and one major landmark is a flowing river. This wide moving body of water symbolizes the need to flow with rhythms of life, while also charging forward towards your goals with focused intention. You can also make out what looks like a city, implying that the charioteer has recently left in search of a new path or is striking out on a new level of growth. Pretty hot, right? <laughs> just, just kidding. Okay, so the chariot is the seventh card in the major arcana. In numerology, the number seven represents logic, understanding, spirituality, and intellect. It is often illustrated by the constant search for deeper meaning, relentless and unwilling to stop until the truth is uncovered. It is embodied by the energy of the seeker and reminds us that although there are infinite possibilities in every situation, the answers to all questions are in our DNA. Seven also represents wholeness and perfection, both physically and spiritually, being associated with ascension and a life free of obstacles. It is a number that represents spirituality, deep and wise. This is where we find the energy of the seeker, because simple, surface-level explanations and information are of no interest here. There is no end to the curiosity here, because deeper, more spiritual meanings are what is truly craved. So what's characteristic of the number seven is asking questions, researching, listening, and sensing, 
all in search for awareness. So seven is a very spiritual and curious number, but it is also highly analytical, adept at sorting through all the bits of information available and separating what's useful from what's meaningless, following along with only the most valuable wisdom. When we consider this information, we see that the chariot, or rather the charioteer, is almost certainly on a quest, using willpower, focus, and intention to drive himself onward towards his purpose. And though the chariot card is actually ruled by the zodiac sign of Cancer, the number seven is associated with the signs of Libra and Pisces. Libra, the seventh zodiac sign, is concerned with unwavering truth and Pisces, widely considered the most spiritual sign in the zodiac, seeks to connect with all that is deeper and greater than itself. So as with all the stops along the journey through the major arcana, there's a lesson for the fool to be learned here. And what is it? Uh, I like to imagine that after the lovers, the fool has learned how to move forward in the realm of relationships, love, and choices that shape their entire system of beliefs and values, but now he must actually do the thing, and feeling overwhelmed, he has become stagnant. In comes the spirit of action and determination itself in the chariot. We can all read a new book on witchcraft and learn how to do the thing, but then it's on us to actually apply our new information and turn it into action and learning through experience, ultimately making us better practitioners instead of just knowledgeable sideliners. The chariot is the absolute personification of determination, movement, and conquest over opposing forces or adversity. It is a card that illustrates the very movement toward manifestation of our intended goals. It is the fuel that will take us from deciding what needs to be done to actually accomplishing the task. It's the drive, the momentum, and determination needed for success. Have you ever left a project or a task to the last minute and somehow were able to complete it by a deadline only to look back and wonder how you even managed it? You embodied the chariot. When I let myself get wrapped up in all the other things in life and leave my research and preparations for a new episode till the night before I have to record, fueled by coffee and sheer determination, I am channeling the inner chariot. But there is a cost for embodying the energy of the chariot, and that is a massive energy expenditure. And for this reason, no one can really stay in this state for very long. It is the boost we need to get something done. But once we get to where we need to be, we must leave this space and rest or burn out. This is like putting rocket ship fuel in a sedan. <laughs> it should be used sparingly when a speedy victory is needed, and it must be steered carefully by your own commitment to the end goal as well as with discipline. So when the chariot appears, it is time to go. Just do it and get a move on. This is not a time for lollygagging, being overly passive, or letting opportunities slip away. It's also not the time for staying on easy street because there will always be obstacles in our path. Reaching our goals wouldn't be very rewarding otherwise. What is needed now is persistence, conviction, diligence, and a relentless push forward. The charioteer looks at the fool and says, What are you standing there for? You know what you want now. So go get it. So back to the sign of cancer, water, and the moon, because th this all feels very fiery, right? Well, the chariot is ruled by watery cancer, which is the cardinal sign of summer, 
And as the cardinal sign, uh, the cardinal sign is sort of the leader of signs that are separated by their ruling elements. So Cancer is the cardinal water sign, Aries is the cardinal fire sign, Libra, the cardinal air sign, and Capricorn, the cardinal earth sign. As the cardinal sign, Cancer is associated with beginnings and moving forward. And the chariot itself represents fresh starts, action, determination, and drive. Cancers, like their animal symbol, the crab, tend to keep their feelings inside to avoid getting hurt. Here, we are reminded of the softness protected by the outer shell. Similarly, the charioteer faces the outside world clothed from head to toe in protective armor. Ruled by the knowing moon, cancers move forward using their highly developed intuition. Remember, the charioteer is decorated with two moons on his shoulders. And let's look again at the flowing water seen behind the chariot. Now we start to see why and how the chariot is ruled by cancer, which is ruled by the moon, ever-changing and constantly moving forward through the sky, entering a new astrological sign every two and a half days, as well as flowing and transforming water from where all life began. So some key words to keep in mind when the chariot comes up in a reading are as follows. Success, ambition, determination, willpower, control, self-discipline, focus, focused action, moving, or movement. The advice that's being given here is to go ahead and follow your plan or head in the direction of your goals, but not with reckless abandon, but a structured approach that is fueled by focus and determination and willpower. This message is meant to embolden you as you drive forward towards your goals. And in this way, employing a structured approach and relying on your power of will, you will be victorious. The chariot also teaches you not to be afraid of your aggressive nature and that it can help you achieve your goals as long as you are able to rein it in and not allow it to completely take over. It is a lesser appreciated aspect of our human nature, aggression, that we can learn to harness with controlled focus in order to gain success. The chariot says, take action, take control, and do the thing. Go. Okay, so I don't know if you remember when in the Hierophant episode I touched briefly on the three phases of the major arcana. Uh, They are the self, which is all about personal awareness, the collective, which is all about personal influence, and finally the cosmic, which is all about personal evolution. With the chariot, we reach the end of the first phase, the self. So I have an exercise for you. If you haven't already done this before, I find it really helps to understand the grand design in the Major Arcana, and I've had more than one teacher recommend it. You're going to take every card in the Major Arcana and arrange it into three lines of seven cards, leaving out the Fool. So the first line will be the Magician through the Chariot, cards one through seven. Then the second line will be Strength through Temperance, cards 8 through 14. And then the third line will be The Devil through the World, cards 15 through 21. For now, you're going to focus on the first line while I sum up the Fool's experience so far in his completed journey through the self. And I got a little help here from autosaddle.com because they sum up these phases so well and it saved me a whole lot of time. So in the first line, or the first phase of the major arcana, we take time to understand who we are, what we want, the things that drive us, and the dreams that inspire us. This is the time of self-discovery, of personal awareness, that helps us find our place and purpose in the world. 
We begin with the magician, a figure of rich potential and boundless opportunities, who celebrates the fool's big idea and shows them all of the resources they can access, all of the magic they carry, all of the paths forward they can follow. The high priestess helps the fool practice discernment, listening to their intuition and inner wisdom as they choose between these various paths, giving themselves space for reflection and awareness before acting. Once the path has been identified and selected, the empress offers joyful abundance, creative expression, rich manifestation as this idea begins to become tangible and take up space in the real world. The emperor takes all of that raw goodness and helps to clarify and refine it, introducing structures of safety and foundations of stability that help us continue to build with intention and ambition. The Hierophant introduces the fool to tradition and history, showing them what kinds of ideas have come before, encouraging them to be a student and collaborate with others even as they expand and explore. The Lovers teach us about relationship and connection versus freedom, showing the fool the way to rich partnership and reminding them that they are allowed to break free of connections that do not honor the soul's purpose choosing to go forward with an open heart, but necessary standards that will lead to more enriching connections. And the last card in this row, the chariot, shows us breaking free and moving forward towards our goals with intention, protecting ourselves even as we shift into a new path of growth and intention. The chariot is a card of victory over self, over struggle, and in finding what you are looking for. And since it's the last card in the phase, it also feels like a bit of a graduation. So congratulations. (laughs) When next we visit Fortune and Flora, we will enter into phase two with the strength card. Okay, it's time to talk about Lotus. Uh, Here we go. Ready? Nila, (laughs) I already screwed up. Nilumbium Nilumbo. Nilumbium Nilumbo. Other names are Baino or Egyptian lotus. The lotus is a beautiful and richly mystical flower, considered holy by cultures and religions the world over. In mythology and folklore, it has been said to have divine origins, and even that it represents the seeding of human life. Ancient civilizations worshipped the lotus as the expression of perfection itself, as a symbol of new beginnings, beauty, tranquility, and virtue, among other things. And it was said to have been created by the love between water, the sun, and the moon. In ancient Egypt, it was believed that the world arose from a lotus that grew from the belly of Nu. Nu was the personification of the primordial watery abyss which existed at the time of creation and from which the creator sun god Ra arose. In Hinduism, the lotus is often depicted at the feet of Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth, and Sarasvati, the goddess of knowledge, giving breath to its continued association with good fortune, protection, creativity, and clarity. In this extremely ancient religion, the lotus also represents enlightenment and growth, purity of mind, and performing one's duties with a pure heart, unhindered by those around you. It is also a reminder that all life began in water. Further east, it was and still is a symbol of spiritual enlightenment as well as of fertility and sexuality. 
One Chinese belief is that the lotus demonstrates how to show your best self to the world and bring light out of darkness. The lotus is present in creation legends worldwide and is a major figure in countless traditional folktales. It is said to be the flower of light, which can completely change the human experience, able to expand our consciousness to new heights. The flower has also long been connected to resurrection and reincarnation because of the way its seeds can lie dormant for centuries and then grow into a plant once the right conditions have been presented. Concerning herbology and physical medicine, the lotus leaf had an important role in alternative medicine during ancient times, receiving high praise by kings, queens, scholars, and monks. The plant, with its bright green leaves and beautiful and vibrant flowers, grows mostly in tropical regions of Asia, capable of reaching a diameter of around 30 centimeters, roughly 11 to 12 inches. The petals are cooling and sedative and have been used against insomnia. And the leaves, having a slightly bitter taste, are said to be uh, are said to have many health benefits. Studies have shown that the plant can help detox the liver and spleen, and the extract from lotus leaf can even assist in decreasing high blood pressure and reducing muscle spasms. Other benefits still under research are said to include relieving stress, easing sleeplessness, reducing cramps maintaining healthy stomach acid levels and in turn helping with gastric ulcers, improving fertility, cooling internal organs, and moistening the skin. All of this is pretty amazing, but remember to always consult a physician before trying to self-treat any issues and make sure you do your research or seek out the assistance of a certified practicing herbologist or traditional healer. Now, let's talk about these magical properties and plant spirit attributes. Generally speaking, the lotus flower is associated with the powers of protection, wealth, fertility, rebirth, and spiritual beauty. Because the lotus seems to disappear each night and rebloom again each morning, it is also a powerful symbol of rebirth and reincarnation, as well as enlightenment. It is said that keeping a lotus root in your home and including it in your rituals or spell work can help attract love, strength, and abundance. And in some magical traditions, the lotus is often used in consecration as well as sex magic. The flower is abundant with love energy, as you can see. But on the flip side, lotus seeds and pods have also been used as antidotes to unwanted love spells. Being a flower that rises from the water, it is also well-suited to assist you in calling on the element of water, as well as in rituals that are meant to connect you with feminine energy, and the moon. Finally, it is said that simply breathing in the scent of the flower will invoke its protection, and carrying any part of the lotus will bring blessings from the gods as well as good luck. So, lotus is ruled by the element of water and the moon, as well as the sun, and the zodiac sign of cancer, just like the chariot. It is said to be sacred to the deities and spirits of Brahma, Buddha, Hathor, Hermes, Horus, Isis, Juno, Kuan Yin, Lakshmi, Osiris, Ra, Sarasvati, and Vishnu. And to sum up, some of its most common metaphysical uses are that of abundance, wealth, creativity, moon magic, water magic, fertility, protection, renewal and rebirth, truth, wisdom, spirituality, 
transformation, consecration, love, sex, awareness, balance, illumination, peace, peaceful sleep, self-work, luck, and good fortune, and clarity of mind. It's got a lot going on. (laughs) Okay. And that is all that I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing weekend. And be like the lotus. Trust in the light, grow through the darkness, and believe in new beginnings. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you listen. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word. Or like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at a is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash a is for agrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, and much more. You're also welcome to send me some snail mail, if you're that kind of person, to P.O. Box 397, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, zip code 08003. I'd love a good surprise. (laughs) Or not. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well and have an amazing weekend.